It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program for this um, Friday already, huh? Boy, what a busy week it's been. And uh, today, um, we're going to, you know, juggle our schedule around a little bit. Uh, We're going to have the uh, school department uh, come in, and we're going to do our school department program. And um, then uh, we'll uh, talk to John Brian. So uh, the way it was working is that it was uh, in reverse. Uh, We had Brian first and the school department people second. But uh, John uh, has another uh, earlier morning commitment, and so he will not be with us um, until the second part of the program. Hi, Jeff. Good morning, Roger. Happy upfront day for Friday. That means the weekend is upon us. Yes. And we're going to bring the uh, school committee people in uh, in a few seconds. And we're going to get an update on what's going on in in the school department. Um, uh, The only thing I'd like you to update us on, unless anything else you want to update, is that um, uh, we have a a debate. And it is coming quicker than I thought. You know, when I got here in the morning, I thought it was like a week and a half away. No, (laughs) it's Wednesday. All right, tell us about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's coming quick. It'll be uh, this Wednesday evening, uh, 7 p.m. It's a, it's a one-hour event uh, that'll feature uh, three minutes by each candidate at the beginning of the program with an opening statement. Each candidate will have a two-minute closing statement as well. So if you're doing the math alongside, you'll see that's about 10 minutes of the hour of prepared statements from the candidates. Uh, and then we will roll in a format that uh, that I've switched over to over the past few cycles of the five-minute discussion periods. I, uh, I felt the ask a question, you have 60 seconds to answer, you got 68 seconds to rebut. It wasn't uh, quite satisfying to some of the deserving issues discussed. So we have opened that up to five-minute discussion periods. I'm tasked with the job of making sure neither candidate monopolizes that discussion period, but it can uh, create a more lively discussion and debate on uh, key issues and uh, giving them more time. So, again, that'll be approximately five uh, discussion issues. Uh, I do walk in with approximately seven because there are some issues that uh, candidates will agree on, and those are typically shorter periods of time. So if we need to fill up to the full 60, I will walk in with about seven prepared questions, which leads me to perhaps the final time uh, that I say this. If you are a voter in one socket, and please do be a one socket voter, I want to make sure that if you have a uh, question or issue that is important to you, you want to hear about at the debate, uh, email me. Now, your question may not be read as written. I often will write my own questions off the subject matter I receive. But this is really your last weekend to get any material into me. Two ways you can do so is via email. I've given the upfront email address. I just thought it may be easier for a listener to remember. Upfront at WNRI.com. Many are choosing to email me personally, which is fine. It's Jeff.Gamash. G-A-M-A-C-H-E at WNRI.com. So Jeff.Gamash at WNRI.com is the uh, email address you can use. And again, uh, I may revise the wording of it, but we'll try to get your point across. I'll start drafting the questions Monday night into Tuesday. So if you do have a point, make sure you email it this weekend to uh, one of those two addresses. I appreciate your participation. Thank you, Jeff Gamash. We appreciate that. And now we're going to uh, move to our real estate segment and then the school school committee and school department people and then uh, our paid segment. All right, it's time for our real estate question of the week. And we have uh, Bob Martin on our live line. We're going to check in, make sure he's there. Hello, Mr. Martin. Can you hear me loud and clear? (laughs) Yes, can you hear me fine, Ryan? I can hear you good. And our question, uh, we're going to see, comes from a listener. And I'm just going to read it uh, verbatim. And we'll see, uh, with all your years of experience, I'm sure you'll have no trouble with it. It says here, I've owned my house for over 40 years and decided to sell it. All was going well until the buyer's attorney told me that I had two mortgages on the property from over 25 years ago. These mortgages 
were paid a long time ago. I can't close until they are removed. Where do I start? And the bank involved is now closed. Um, how's that one for a little tricky uh, situation? Actually, Raj, it's not rare. doesn't happen often. But um, uh, so what he did is he paid off a mortgage. And what the lenders all used to do is they used to send a discharge to the town hall or wherever it was and record it. And then the owner they would get a copy of the discharge. Um, sometimes the paperwork gets lost. In more modern times now, there's a fee of 80-some-odd dollars to record the discharge. I think at a cost-cutting measure, the lenders now very oftentimes send the discharge to the homeowner along with the paid papers with no directions as to, oh, you should need to go record this. Um, so sometimes the owner, and that's what I would suggest he does, check your old documents if you've kept them. And if you see something called a discharge right across the top of mortgage, you can then give that to the title attorney and he will examine it and record it, which will remove the lien. If you do not have the paperwork, then you either need to, in a sense, hire the buyer's attorney, which is the easiest route to go, and let him research it. So all of these lenders were taken over by someone if they were close. Remember when Socket Institution became Eastland, became something else, Marquette was taken over by DEPCO. But there's still usually some institution, and sometimes it takes a little while, uh, that to reach out, they will verify that the loan, the mortgage was paid, and then they will reissue a discharge. It could take as little as a week, and it could take as long as a month. All depends who has it. So it, it's not insurmountable, but it will delay the closing. Sounds like a, a little bit of patience and you'll get to the end of the road, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Bob, always a pleasure chatting uh, with you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, look forward to uh, next week uh, just about the same time. All right? Thank you. Okay, Raj. Bye-bye. Bob Martin with our Real Estate Question of the Week, and he's with Crossroads Real Estate Group, and you'll find them at 329 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And you can reach Bob um, at 766-7545, extension 111. As many of you have, uh, some people just like to, uh, you know, talk to uh, Bob about a somewhat complicated uh, procedure in real estate, and I'll tell you, he's the guy that uh, can uh, guide you right through. This is the Upfront program. Paul Bourget and Dr. Um, McGee are ready to join us, but first of all, a few messages. Savini's Pomodoro Restaurant is open for inside and outside dining, too. And you can enjoy our famous and very popular Sicilian-style pizza, clam cakes and chowder, fish and chips, fried clam sandwiches, and our full Italian specialties, too. And you can always order takeout, taking reservations for indoor and outdoor service at 762-5114. Savini's Pomodoro, Rathbun Street, Woonsocket. Open Tuesday through Sunday. And yes, we we always have family-style chicken. Savini's will be open at uh, 4 o'clock this afternoon. And I would highly recommend inside dining uh, at Savini's today uh, uh, in taking the uh, weather into account. But anyway, great uh, great Italian food, including uh, their, uh, their eggplant parmesan. I don't like eggplant, except when it's eggplant, parmesan, and from Savini's. All weekend long, quality dining. Oh, do we still have uh, family-style chicken? Yes, of course. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's the church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right. We're back to the uh, panel on this uh, Friday, and uh, we're reversing our schedule a little bit. Uh, we're going to have members of the Woonsocket School Department join us. 
And then we'll uh, move to the paid political segment a little bit later in the program. And so there's uh, quite a bit to, to uh, cover. And we welcome to our microphones the chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee, Paul Bourget. He's here. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. And, Thanks for uh, having us on the uh, show. And one of the uh, unfortunate 40 in Rhode Island, the approximately 40 superintendent of schools that uh, populate the Rhode Island landscape. Um, something that um, you didn't check in on uh, when you um, when you applied for this job. Uh, you just thought there was going to be uh, administration and, um, and also uh, implementing the policies of the school committee. But it's a lot more than that. Hi, Patrick McGee. Hi, Roger. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Let's begin uh, with the superintendent's uh, statement. Um, just uh, it's Friday. We've been through a week. Uh, it's been a week since uh, we've uh, we've chatted uh, with you. So I'll ask you uh, to phrase the question: uh, What phase are we in? Are we going in? And how, what kind of a week has it been, Patrick McGee? So we just started phase three this week uh, on Tuesday. Phase three included bringing back uh, students in grades four and five and seven and eight on a hybrid model, which again is the Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, you know, alternating in person and, and virtual, and Monday being a virtual day, it was—it's gone uh, relatively well. Uh, the uh, conversations I've had with uh, administrators—I I had a meeting yesterday with um, our elementary principals, which we have uh, weekly meetings with them, and you know, they uh, reported out that uh, the week's gone gone so uh, gone pretty well so far. I've had conversations with both principals of the uh, middle schools, and they said grades seven and eight are you know, has, has gone um, pretty smooth smoothly this uh, this week. So you know I'm pleased with uh, the beginning of phase three. We also had uh, a meeting, uh, a couple of meetings this week, uh, with our uh, high school uh, families and, and parents with the high school administration. Uh, there was a uh, a Google Meet. On uh, was it Tuesday? I believe it was um, at six o'clock with the uh, parents of the career center students, uh, the seniors, and then at seven p.m. there was a meeting with the parents and and also the students themselves, uh, the underclassmen uh, from the career center. The high school has has put together a, uh, a phased-in plan to bring back the career center students uh, that. That plan will, will be implemented on Tuesday. Monday is a is a, a, a virtual day, and it's a it's a PD day, a statewide professional development day for for staff um, across the uh, the state. But on Tuesday, the seniors are scheduled uh, to come in. Uh, they'll be in for a week. Uh, the plan is the following Tuesday, the juniors will come in. And, and again, when I when I say seniors and juniors, and then sophomores, it's it's just the career center students. Um, and then the following week, week three of the phase in will be the, the sophomores. And as we've done so far, uh, we're going to, you know, evaluate the implementation of, of the phase, uh, each of these three uh, career center phases, and, you know, see how things are going. We're going to be checking, you know, obviously to see um, if there are any positive cases um, at, the, at the career center. And, um, you know, if, if things go... Uh, go well, and I anticipate they will. You know, we'll in, in in a matter of three weeks we'll have our career center students back. You know, we're still trying to be creative uh, with respect to our high school students. You know, specifically our ninth graders to try to get them back in a hybrid um, model as soon as we can. We, you know, again are are continuing to reach out for. Uh, substitute teachers. We have interviewed uh, a, a number of them. It's it's been a little frustrating, however, because even though we interview folks who apply to be substitutes, uh, I'll give you an example. The, the high school interviewed five or six recently, and um, the the second part of the interview, which is you know sort of when they when they sort of pass that first or get over that first hurdle, if you will, they they go on to to the HR department. Um, you know, some of them decided that um, it wasn't something that they wanted to do. And then others, even though they interviewed and we've reached back out to them, uh, they, they've, they haven't returned our phone calls. So um, it's, it's frustrating. I, I know that there are a lot of parents, high school parents out there that are very frustrated. 
And, um, you know, I'm frustrated. You know, Chairman Bourget, the, the school committee, we're very frustrated. Um, but we, we can't just create people out of thin air to, to come in and, and, and sub specifically at our high school. Um, you know, again, I, I mentioned this last time. We have submitted two grants uh, to the Department of Education and a, and a, a second uh, federal grant to uh, receive funds to increase the, the pay for our substitutes by, you know, more than $100, $140 per day. So we're, we're waiting on RIDE to make a decision. I, I just um, had a conversation a couple of days ago with the commissioner, the, I'm sorry, the deputy commissioner at RIDE. Uh, they're aware of, of our need for substitutes. RIDE uh, sent out yesterday um, a survey to superintendents asking them what their specific needs are when it comes to substitutes. I submitted that back to them. So, you know, we're just waiting to see if hopefully they can uh, get, get us some subs. So uh, that's where we are. Um, you know, I think overall things are going pretty well. Um, you know, but, you know, we're taking it a week at a time, and we're, we're doing the best we can. Superintendents look out a different window than school committee chair people, so therefore I'm going to ask for the week in review as you see it, uh, Paul, and, and I've got the feeling you, you see it somewhat different than the superintendent. Not that you disagree, it's just that you have different jobs to do. It's very difficult to open a school uh, the high school when you have you don't have enough teachers and substitutes it's almost impossible and that's the frustration and it's hard to believe and I know a lot of people have called me uh, texted me emailed me and said how come we can't get our kids in school why can't you get enough subs that this is absolutely ridiculous well let's let's look at what we've done and over the past few months we have sent out 126 letters which reached out to 126 substitutes that we had last year these are these would be returning subs so we we reached out to 126 59 responded 59 so that means if you sent out a 126 right you're 67 short of the 59 who responded 36 took the position so from 126 we got 36. So that's 90 folks who subbed last year who chose not to sub this year. Are they going somewhere else for more money, or are they just uh, out, of, uh, out of the uh, business of subbing? This is unknown. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that they're not just going somewhere. I think uh, some are just uh, hunkering down and not, not teaching anywhere. Uh, they've got uh, coronaphobia. Uh, about that and so they're not teaching them because we would hear if all of a sudden there was an influx influx say in Cumberland or Smithfield we would hear about that but we're not so we, we, we've reached out the, the school department continues to reach out to people and as Dr. McGee just said you know we've interviewed people and at the end of the interview the, the, the appetite the interest fizzles out so at the end of the day we say well things are going as best we can well, we're, I'm as frustrated as anyone um, because I want the school open. We've worked so hard to get the programs up to speed. We've worked so hard in pumping in a lot of money into the cleaning of the school, making sure the air exchange is right, making sure everything is working well, and the school is just sitting there waiting to be opened. And you figure all our kids, the only area that we're going to be opening on a hybrid basis is the career center. Because we've got enough teachers and subs to take care of that portion of the school, but we don't have enough to take care of 9 through 12 in the, in the, regular, in the regular high school. The rest of the district seems to be going well, and we walk on eggshells, I think, every day, all of us, because you're waiting for that, for that child or teacher or nurse to come down with COVID. You know, we've had, I believe, three mm -hmm. who were in, in school, a pre-K, a K, and a first. Um, and we follow the Department of Health regulations where that pod was sent home. Um, and so they are quarantining according to the, the regulations for that particular pod. But you walk on eggshells every day. Is, the, is today the day we'll have a surge? Even though we do all the good stuff, wearing masks, keeping distance, 
cleaning and washing hands and making sure the pods stay separate. Um, we're doing the best we can, but you're walking on eggshells. Every day when I get up, I don't know what kind of day today's going to be. And it's the fear factor. And we're constantly speaking, the superintendent and I, about what is happening in the schools. We're more alert, more, more on edge than I, re- I can remember being on the school committee. Um, you really have to have your A game every single minute of the day. So, other than that, Roger, things are, fine. Things are going fine. I sense, um, I'm not, not trying to be political, but I listen to the governor weekly and whenever she's around and she talks about uh, the state doing this and the state doing that for the local districts. And uh, they may, but I don't get the connection, and this is going to be for you, Mr. Borgia, uh I don't get the connection between the state of Rhode Island and what they're doing for the schools and the city of Woonsocket. It seems like Woonsocket sort of kind of on its own. Uh, I understand, uh, Mr. Bouchard, you're a Clint Eastwood fan. Yes, I am. And so you've seen all the spaghetti west- westerns, right? The, the yes, I did. One. Yeah, and you remember those towns, those dusty towns where the bulrushes would go across the street and there'd be no sound except for a whistling, uh, you know, yeah. soundtrack? The tumbling tumbleweeds. Yeah, right? that's it. Well, that's what we are because mm-hmm. the, the governor is promising us the moon. Uh, and she doesn't even have a firecracker to get us to the moon. So there is a disconnect. A massive disconnect. She promises X, delivers nothing. And we've had that problem since the summer when we've been trying to reach out and get things done. You never got an answer. Or if there's an answer, it's always we're working on it. We're going we're gonna to take care of you. It's a great mantra. and makes us hang up the phone. And then we say, see, the governor's going to take care of us. Tick, 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 tick. Time goes by. Nothing happens. So there is a major disconnect. Uh, And that also goes for the commissioner's office. I mean, uh, she listens to all the districts, but very little is getting done. That may actually work in your favor in the sense that uh, uh, they forget about you and and you're able to adjust to the local conditions uh, without uh, bureaucracy involved is... Is there some truth to that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you're, you're expected for, uh, the, for the governor and the commissioner to build us a city. And frankly, we find ourselves in Kentucky. It's 1802, and we got a knife. And we're in the woods. That's where we are. So then you, take, you make good use of that knife, and you build, you build your camp, and you build what you can. We have worked hard on our own, pretty much. To devise and come up with the reopening plan, the continuing education plan, the staggering openings. Um, and, and again, the most important thing that the superintendent and I focus on, as well as the administration and the rest of the school committee, is the safety and welfare of our students, parents, and teachers. Period. Number one. There is no number two. So we are on our own. And so whatever we, whatever we think we need to do to keep them safe, we're doing it. And we'll continue to do it. Another question for Mr. Uh, school Committee Chair. Looks like um, Woonsocket School Department dodged a bullet uh, this week uh, in a contract uh, wording uh, by, uh, by the custodians and secretaries. And, and you did report on it uh, in the print and, in, and on the radio. Uh, but that could have really cost us a, a ton of dough, right? Uh, but uh, it, everybody uh, agreed to something, right? Yes, they did. Um, the 1137 uh, union um, we, has a clause in its contract that once there is an emergency, a health emergency, those workers would be paid double time. Now, that was when that was put in the contract, it was more for like snow days or uh, really sick days or whatever. But... Never was the pandemic ever contemplated uh, in that contract, but the union took advantage of that, and so they were started to get paid double time in March, beginning in March. Well, there were fewer, much fewer employees that were getting paid at that time. We continued taking care of them, but now that school has started, we've got, we've got all the secretaries and all the, the uh, custodians back. That would have cost us, we continued doing this for the rest of the year, it would have cost this, the school department an extra $2.1 million. And you figure that would come out of our reserves. And who knows what's going to happen with our state aid because governor hasn't finished their budget. 
we certainly don't don't know where we are. Uh, but it would have cost us for sure an extra two point one million, which we couldn't afford. That would have come out of reserves. That would have come out of reserves that we're ho- that we need for rainy days and for uh, the upcoming contract negotiations that are, that uh, are going to begin in, in December for the teachers union. So this was a big mess. So we 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 drafted a, mem- a memorandum of agreement that would hopefully be approved by the membership of the union that w- they would waive that provision of d- of double time. The first pass, they voted it down. Um, that left us no choice but to identify layoffs, um, significant layoffs uh, of for um, secretaries and custodians. And once they, they knew that we meant business, they took another vote. This time they waived it, and so we don't have to lay off anyone. Mr. Superintendent, triple question for you. School buses, how, how are they doing? Um, are, are the children um, uh, crowding into the back of the bus? <laughs> are, are, they, uh, are they behaving themselves? Uh, number two, um, how do the kids eat at school? And number three, how do the, um, how do the kindergartners and first graders, uh, are they uh, oblivious to all this? Are they having a good time getting their education at, at school? So let me start with the bus question. So I, I'm happy to say that we have students on our buses. This um, is important. This, this is important. Um, if, if, if you're familiar with our history, uh, our transportation history over the last few years. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've had uh, some conversations, as I said, with our principals. Um, Al Natariani is our chief operating officer, and he receives a weekly um, update from the Durham uh, bus company uh, with respect to how the buses are running and, and those types of things. So my understanding is that transportation is going very well. Um, we, you know, have students who that are adhering to the expectations and, and, the, and the guidance when they're riding the buses of wearing their masks. So that's going well. Uh, students are eating in their classrooms, both breakfast and lunch. So they're served. Uh, Sodexo is our, our food service provider, and they've created uh, a nice plan for the delivery of breakfast and lunch for all of our students across the district that are in person. Um, so they're they're receiving they're they're eating their lunch in their classroom in their stable pods, um, and then the third question that you asked me: kindergarten, first, first graders, grade. are they oblivious to all this or having a having a good time? Well, you know it's it's interesting because you know when you, when you look at our our kindergartners, this is this is all they know about you know uh, formal education right now. Uh, they they don't have they've never had an experience of coming to school uh, like everyone else for the most part where you know you you don't wear a mask and you know you can get close to your friends and you can mingle with with another classroom so uh, and even our in our first graders too i mean they they were here obviously last year but in march things drastically changed so um you know as as i go around to the buildings and you know i i observe and i and i speak to staff and i speak to students they're handling it very well um they're they're keeping their masks on, and you know they, they're they're very flexible and they're very pliable, and I think that they've handled this uh, very well so far. Time to finish up our uh, closing uh, statement from the uh, school committee chair. What he wants to tell the residents of City Winsocket, both those who don't have children in school, like myself, and those who are attending school. Then we'll get to you, Mr. Superintendent, Mr. Boger first. First thing I want to say is I want to thank uh, Dr. McGee, his staff, the teachers, the parents, and the students uh, for keep working so hard at this education process during the, the, this incredible and most difficult time. Know that uh, we're working hard uh, every day to try to find ways to improve the process that our children are going to, through. If you've got questions, you've got comments, don't, please don't hesitate to call the superintendent or myself because we address problems on a daily basis. Um, we're still trying to get um, some substitutes. Now, if you want a substitute, I'm making a call out to the entire community. If you would like to help us, this is the way you can help us the most. Call the main office, 767-4700. And apply to be a substitute teacher. Um, we need we need uh, we need folks, 
if we get enough folks, guess what? We're going to be able to reopen the high school. And frankly, that would take a lot of the pressure off the students and their families. But, you know, keep smiling. Embrace this process. Help us rather than complain about the process. This will go a long way uh, for us to get through this. Mr. Superintendent, your message? So, you know, I, I too, want to thank... You know the the families and the and the parents and the students um, for for their patience and their flexibility. Um, I also want to thank our teachers and our staff and our administrators who have really done an incredible job of putting together uh, whether they're virtual learning lessons, um, hybrid lessons. The the amount of work that's that's being done and that has been done behind the scenes that that nobody knows about nobody sees um but it but it it ends up being that finished product for our students is is truly amazing and i i want to thank you know those our, our staff for for just really going above and beyond and you know it it, it people think that it's it's easy putting together lessons and putting together um, assignments for for students and and when in 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 the world of of distance learning it's very very challenging to put together rigorous lessons and rigorous assignments for students Um, and i I just want to thank them for for the the amount of work that they're putting into this Um, and and again i want to thank our our families and and our students for the efforts that they're putting in. You know, I think Chairman Bourget mentioned this when we were on last Friday. It, it's really critical that our families and our parents um, get involved in their child's education and that they're monitoring. Um, and I understand that there are people that are working during the day and, and, and that's challenging, but it's really important that, that our, our families and our parents collaborate with our, with our, our staff and our teachers uh, for our students. All right. And uh, before we leave, here's a quick curriculum question unrelated to the coronavirus update. But if you want to learn how to uh, manage money, you have to study economics. And if you want to learn about government, you have to study civics. And so civics was uh, a, a question that was brought to uh, the attention of a federal court uh, just uh, recently. But my question as it relates to curriculum is that if someone would like to see something like civics introduced into a school curriculum, is that a legislative matter that they bring to the legislature and then the legislature passes a bill and then the Department of Education has to tell the local school district to, to do it? How is that done if somebody wants a certain kind of message uh, taught in school? So that's certainly that's one it. way, you know, yeah. for, for, you know, folks in the community if, um, to reach out to their, their local um, you know, rep or, or state senator um, to let them know of, of, of their, you know, their desire. So it is a legislative so, matter. So it is a legislative matter. And just as, as, as an aside, we've been working with an organization uh, called Generation Citizen for um, two years now. And the, the work that we're doing with them, that collaboration, is exactly what you're talking about, Roger. It's bringing civics education into our classrooms. Um, and uh, we, we're doing some, some great work. Our staff and our students are doing some great work with Generation Citizen to, to incorporate civics specifically into our eighth grade curriculum and our um, social studies curriculum at Woonsocket High School. Prior to COVID, uh, we had the eighth graders come in and give presentations that they had uh, learned and, and done within their civics class. So it's ongoing as we speak. So there is some civics being taught in Woonsocket Public Schools at some level. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. And um, you're invited to come back next week if you so choose. You can mark it in your calendar. Okay, I'll be here. Thank you, Roger. We'll be there. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Back in a moment. Inside dining, outside dining, or your favorite pickup order to go from Grumpy's Restaurant, Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood to our Italian dishes and our tasty pizzas. One of the best menus in the area. Hungry tonight or today? Come on in today and enjoy the friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup order or place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's, one night. Pulaski Boulevard, Bellingham, Massachusetts. Grubhub delivery also available. 
All right. Uh, today on Friday, Grumpy's opens at noontime uh, for lunch. Yeah, that's uh, Monday through Thursday. It's uh, later in the afternoon, 3.30. However, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we open at noontime for lunch. And we have that great luncheon menu at Grumpy's. Try us this weekend. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, 25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Woonsocket. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we are back to the panel and um, the uh, following time purchased by the Brian for Mayor Committee. John Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, Roger. How are you? Good. Well, we've been announcing uh, today that there's going to be a debate on October 21st. Are you ready for that debate? I am, and I'm, and I'm happy about it. I'm, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to being able to just discuss the facts and discuss uh, the things that are important to the citizens of of our city. And I uh, can assure you that uh, from my end, that's what it will be. It will be about uh, the things that are important and it won't go into the personal uh, or anything like that because I don't think that's necessary. And frankly, if you look at what's happening nationally, uh, it's my belief that's not that's not what people want. What we're going to talk about on today's program is uh, political maneuvering uh, and um, the uh, the season has arrived. I mean, if there's going to be any moves uh, that um, might not be, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, in the best interest of everybody, it's going to happen just before the election. Have you sensed that uh, the um, opposition, so to speak, uh, is up to uh, some uh, behavior that uh, our audience should be aware of? Well, yes, and so I, I just want to know, Roger, do you recall, so that is all true what you just said. You can tell as we inch closer to an election, and this is uh, an unfortunate couple of topics that I, I wish I, I didn't have to speak about, but people often say, uh, what, is the, what, is a, uh, what will you do differently? And the things that I'm about to describe to you are all things that I wouldn't do, but that are happening, and it's, and it's really a shame. Roger, you recall uh, we had a program where I started off. It was it was a few weeks back, but I know your memory is somewhat okay. Uh, and and I, I discussed Rise Prep uh, Mayoral Academy. Do you recall that program, Roger? Yes, I do, John. Yes, and 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 I said that uh, notwithstanding uh, things that were being told to people in the city. Uh, by the current mayor about uh, that I would seek to shut down Rise. I said that was completely false and, and that I had been very clear and effusive on this radio station about my position. And I wanted to do that because I thought it important for anyone that may be listening who has uh, kids in Rise to know that, uh, and I have said this all along, as long as there is one one-socket student in Rise Mayoral Academy and one taxpayer dollar flowing into the school, it will be an important school in the city of Woonsocket. No more and no less important than Coleman or Burnin or Globe, but still an important piece of education for children in the city of Woonsocket. And I'm not seeking to close Rise Prep Mayoral Academy, and that was never my quarrel. Uh, it was about the illegal placement uh, in clear violation of the zoning ordinance uh, to, in regard to a specific prohibition that said you cannot put four or nonprofit educational institutions for children's K through, uh, K through, I want to say five or six, uh, in that zone. It, was, it had to do with placement of the building. Placement right? of the building had nothing to do with the school. So yesterday, a letter goes out that I'm made aware of by, um, by a mom who sent it to me. And it's a letter 
that was sent by uh, Scott McLennan, signed Scott McLennan. Uh, he is the husband of one of the campaign uh, managers of the current mayor. And he signs it, Scott Andrew McLennan, Board of Directors, Rise Prep. Well, that's problematic, but I want to tell you what was sent out. It's, uh, I'm not going to read the whole letter because it's nonsense, but it says, uh, what you may not be aware of is the fact that some individuals have hired an attorney to fight the existence of RISE and have also taken legal action to try to close our school and displace the scholars. So we did not hire an attorney to fight the existence of RISE. That charter was given by the Rhode Island Department of Education. So one, that's false and it's nonsense. And then also taking legal action to try to close our school and displace our students. Again, that's false because the city council filed a lawsuit because of a clear violation of a zoning ordinance. And if you don't enforce the laws, if you don't seek to enforce the laws, then what's the point of having a code of ordinances, zoning ordinances, Rhode Island general laws? I mean, what's the point? And so... Um, this was a, a clear violation it was, and the city council decided to take action. It goes on to say their reasoning is that the location of the school is not zoned properly. It's not. It's illegally zoned, and that's my issue. Um, we've spent tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars trying to shutter this highly successful school. Again, nonsense. It goes on and on to say that it's extremely important to know... Uh, is that the individual, John Brian, who's trying to unseat our mayor, personally led the charge, false, and supported and passed legislation to fight the existence of RISE. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I can honestly say I don't know what that means. Please do not be misled by him, which is ironic that a letter full of misinformation and manipulation says don't be misled. This is all public record and available to you. Well, I invite I'd like to get my hands on those public records, Roger. Uh, I would like to share with you the importance of the upcoming mayoral election and supporting uh, the current mayor so she can continue to chair the board of RISE and stand by you and your scholar. Again, John Brand does not support RISE Prep Mayoral Academy. Respectfully submitted, Scott Andrew McClellan, board of directors, RISE Prep. Well, let me tell you why that's a problem. It's a problem on two fronts, Roger. Number one... It's a lie. And so I think when you get to the point of a campaign when, unlike me, who has run a campaign that says I'm running for mayor, not against anyone. And it's been about my qualifications and uh, my vision and the leadership and vision and integrity that I intend to bring to City Hall. That's what my campaign is about. And it's about being honest. And then you get stuff like this in the mail, which is meant to trick people, to lie to them, to hope that you can hold on to power and that you can just squeeze out two more years. I think that's a problem because you're not asking people for their vote because of the good things you've done. You're telling people lies and not vote for the other guy. But this is a problem. I'll tell you why. It's a clear violation of the IRS restriction of political campaign intervention by 501c3 tax-exempt organizations. And the Internal Revenue Code says, under the Internal Revenue Code, all Section 501c3 organizations are absolutely prohibited from directly or indirectly participating in or inter intervening in any political campaign uh, on behalf of or in opposition to any candidate for elective public office. Are you going to report them to the Internal Revenue Service or is somebody going to take action? I or? know there's already been two complaints filed as of yesterday with the Internal Revenue Service in regard to this violation and I will be speaking uh, to attorneys at Ride today to let them know. If Mr. McLennan had sent this out, signed Scott McLennan, that would be one thing. It would be a letter from, from him to other parents. So he would be sending out a, a, a letter from his, but he signed it he signed it, Rise Board of Directors, the Board of Directors Rise Prep. Why didn't he get legal advice uh, from uh, the Rise lawyer? They must have a lawyer working for them. Um, or did he do it um, I think without... When you're uh, I, because I think when you're scrambling to try to win an election, you'll do anything. Um, next, I have, there was an ad in the Back to Business section of the Valley Breeze, and that was page, uh, I believe, page 8 uh, of the Back to Business section. And it is a city of one socket 
uh, Woonsocket assists economic recovery page, and it talks about uh, all the wonderful things that have happened. Um, and there's a, a picture of the current mayor on this ad. But that's a problem because... Well, she bought the ad, didn't she? No, it's paid for with city money. And that's a... It's not a campaign ad, it's a city ad. And that's a Title 17 violation where it says no elected official, this is 1723.18 of the Rhode Island General Laws, no official shall permit the expenditure of public funds from any official budget under his or her authority for any publication, advertisement, broadcast, or telecast of his or her photograph, voice, or other likeness, 120 days preceding any primary or general election. It goes on violate at 1723.10, violations by public offers generally shall be guilty of a misdemeanor. So, again, the law is broken in an attempt to get people to manipulate them to vote. Except the problem is, it's paid for by you, Roger. You're paying for that ad to serve as a campaign ad. And that's a problem. It's also against the law. You see? So... What do we have here? We have a letter that violates federal law. We have an ad that violates state law. And then finally, Roger, I will bring to your attention a letter that arrived at the doors yesterday. And this is a violation of what I consider to be the public trust. And this goes to integrity. Uh, John Ward was on with you Wednesday and discussed um, receiving mail that comes to him and his son and is only addressed in that way if it comes out of the tax assessor's office. Well, I have before you, Roger, and, and, and I'm holding it. You're seeing this letter, right? Yes, I, oh, I see it. Okay. This is addressed to a friend of mine, uh, addressed as trustee, and addressed to the revocable living trust of the trustee. Not the voter, how they're registered, but it's addressed to the revocable living trust. And it talks about... Uh, in 2015, your real estate taxes were this. In 2020, your taxes are this. And this is a reduction. Roger, this is not information that is readily available to the public. This is not information that, yes, I could go on a website and spend months trying to compile this information. But this is a letter that is generated using the tax assessor's office, sent out to taxpayers, okay, Seemingly from inside City Hall. So now, A, you know why City Hall has been locked up tight. You know how these letters are generated because they're going out to taxpayers, not voters. So they're being generated by a database held by the tax assessor. And it's giving you information that only the tax assessor would have information and be privy to. Yeah, I'm quite familiar with that because that's the way my mail comes from city hall it has uh, a certain awkward address uh, concerning a trust uh, then then i know it wasn't personally addressed to me it came out of a database right mm -hmm. so this should be concerning to the public the john brian for mayor campaign is being funded by john brian for mayor and friends of john brian nothing taxpayer money is not being expended taxpayer resources are not being expended however a loctite city hall is generating information for a campaign, and it's a violation of the public trust. And quite simply, Roger, again, it goes back to the waning days of a campaign and having to try to convince people, give them just enough of an effort. And I have to tell you, it's exhausting when you're trying to do things correctly, do things legally, and show leadership and integrity. You know, you try to do things by the book, you do things lawfully because that's important and you want to set an example you want to be the campaign that shows this is how i will run city hall i didn't want to have to do go here this morning roger but i think as i said people give examples of how would you do things differently roger i would have done none of these things as the mayor of Woonsocket because i would be able to stand on my own two feet and say this is what john brian has accomplished and this is what I'm asking you to reelect me on. Not trying to lie to you, not trying to trick you, not trying to manipulate you to vote for me, but to just be honest. And that's what I think is most important in a campaign. And, and I know at the end of this, I believe that I will be the next mayor of Woonsocket, 
The support has been so incredible, and I know people are ready for a change. But I can tell you this, win or lose, I will be able to look at myself in the mirror when I shave and say, John, you ran a hell of a campaign. You left nothing on the table. You did everything right, and you tried like hell. And I believe that hard work is going to pay off because when you have leadership, vision, and integrity, you just can't lose. And, and that's what this campaign is all about. Three interesting examples you brought to the table. Um, I'm wondering what next Friday's program will be like uh, <laughs> based, on, uh, based on the three examples you set for us. But I guess we'll have to wait and see how the week uh, unfolds, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to be knocking on doors. I'm going to be telling people why I'm running for mayor. I'm going to be telling people that we can be more, that, that you can have low taxes, you can have a residential rate. Look, I want to say one thing, one quick thing before we go, Roger, about the residential rate. If you go into a jewelry store and the jewelry store has marked everything up 100%, but then they say today everything is 35% off, they're still making 65%, right? I get it. Right. When your taxes were jacked up in 2013 and now they're coming back down, they're just getting back down to where they were before they were jacked up. So the reality is... You can live in a city where your taxes are coming down, and you will have that with me. You can live in a city that have paved streets, and you will have that with me. But you will also be in a city that has real economic development, real commercial investment, a place people will want to come, and a place people won't bristle at when you say, I live in the city of Woonsocket. So you know how to pave a street, too? I think, (laughs) yeah, I think... Any municipal leader does because that's what the property taxes pay for, Roger. Thank you for being with us, uh, John Breen. We'll Thank look you, forward sir. to your uh, next visit here on WNRI. Hey, that concludes our upfront program. We juggled things around, but uh, it all came out uh, just the way it should. We'll see you on Monday. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Socket.